Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning. It's Thursday, and it's PIs Declassified, and I am excited to introduce you to my guest this morning. I have Andy Wilson, Orlando Andy Wilson. Hi, hi, Andy. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Yourself? Very good. I didn't have any idea where you would be calling in from today, um, because I know you're all over the world all the time, <laughs> but I guess you're yeah, in the US. I apologize for the sound. I'm in Miami at the moment, and I got fastball today, so I'm having to do this on the street. So I'm, I, okay. I'm sorry for the quality of the sound. Oh, that's okay. So you said you're doing what today? I just got fastball. I have to run around and drive somebody around today, so it's uh, it's one of those days, a crazy day as usual. But <laughs> okay. I should I should have been sitting somewhere relaxing talking to you, but as usual, that didn't work. So that just I apologize. never Best laid plans, of course. So, uh, where do you actually reside, Andy? At the moment, I'm in South Florida, but I'm looking to head back to Europe um, maybe shortly. It depends. Depends what happens. So, you, very, you're originally uh, from Cornwall, fluid. right? Originally, yeah. So <laughs> Many years ago. <laughs> but, but I know you've been all over the place. So let's just talk about that a little bit because um, I always find it so interesting to find out uh, how people got to where they are today. So mm-hmm. you, tell us, you grew up in, in the United Kingdom. And then yeah, where did on, you go from there? I grew up in Cornwall. I joined the military at 17. I left the military in 93. Um, and then I got into more of the private security business in UK, and that led me into the investigations business because a lot of it overlaps big time. And I've been in the US now 18 years, and one thing leads to another thing, and this is what I do, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So you were in the British Army, correct? Yes, British Army. And Five years. Um, you were in a lot of places like where... Falkland Islands, uh, South Africa, North. maybe. Where I was did in you go? North, with the British. I was in Northern Ireland for two years. Um, then we went to Cyprus for two years, and then uh, little tours in South Georgia, Germany, etc. When I got out of the military, that's when I started going to the more exotic places. Um, South Africa. I worked South Africa, West Africa, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Middle East, etc. And again, being in South Florida, I've done the Caribbean and quite a few Latin American countries as well. But yeah. Well, I looked my, at, um, mm-hmm. uh, Andy, I looked at your website, Risk Incorporated, and okay. uh, you you guys are doing a lot of stuff regarding uh, tactical training and kidnap recovery and all of those kind of things. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, most of the stuff we do in South Florida is training. It's more of the tactical firearms training, but we also deal with the uh, if you want to call it the kidnap and ransom business, but our main thing is prevention, uh, teaching mm-hmm. people not to get kidnapped because if it comes to the point where they are kidnapped, they're going to have big problems, especially these days, especially with the situation in places like Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. So we're all for prevention rather than having to deal with the issues, if that makes sense. 
Okay. And uh, the kidnap uh, situations, are those uh, human trafficking situations or is it something else? No, my views on human trafficking are a little bit different than other people's. Most of the issues we deal with are business people that has an issue or somebody's been kidnapped in the family, etc. Oh, and, and held for ransom because there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. Because okay. it's either, and the thing is, what a lot of people don't understand is not just kidnapped for ransom, it's also kidnapped for favors or people just upset other people so they want to mess with them, etc. So there's a lot more to it than just somebody taking somebody for a, a bag of cash, which is mm-hmm. very much Hollywood rather than reality. Okay. Now, um, yeah. Andy, do you do the tactical training yourself or is that done by other folks? Yeah, I do that myself. Um, the tactical stuff, the main stuff we do here is close protection training. Um, what does that like mean? To do what pro- does that mean? Well, close protection, uh, U.S. they call executive protection, bodyguard training. Okay. And we have groups come in from other places because people like to come to South Florida or Florida because, one, they want the sun, and two, firearms <laughs> are pretty easily available here as long as everything's legal compared right. to other places in the world. Well, your your website's pretty impressive, Andy. I, you know, folks, if you're listening here and you're interested in tactical training or SWAT training, uh, they've got a bunch of video clips uh, on Risks Incorporated that are are pretty pretty nicely done. Oh, thank you. And uh, also, yeah. bomb awareness. That was another thing. I mean, unfortunately, this is the age we're in, so it's really nice to see that it's. Uh, company or, or folks that are, have the experience of taking the ball and running with it and getting people trained uh, because you, you just, today, you can be anywhere and uh, yeah. have, a, have an incident. Sadly, this is the thing and everybody's putting the hype on the domestic terrorism, etc., etc., but I'll be honest with you, I don't like to scare people, but if you check the situation in Mexico, it's like, what's going on down there at the moment is crazy and that it's a matter of time before that comes across the border. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people talk about the domestic terrorism that's always been around, but it's, it, it doesn't take much for people to be aware. Just people right. have to understand the basics, and once they understand the basics, they'll see, start seeing a lot more, and hopefully things can be prevented before they get out of hand. Hopefully so. And, yeah. and I'm looking here on your, on your, I'm looking at your website right now, Andy. <laughs> yeah, go on. Here in, here in Caracas, London, Mexico City, Miami, uh, Victoria. Where else are you? Um, the main places we do stuff is Miami. I'm based here. Um, we got guys in Athens, Greece. I got people in London. And Risk Incorporated is very much uh, a loose network of people. Mm. Um, we call on people when we need them, but they're all we all work together. If that makes sense, it's very much. We say in the UK, it's we work the circuit. So it's a circuit of, okay, when you need somebody, you call them, and when they need you, they call you, if that makes sense. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, in, and in your spare time, <laughs> you've written all these books. <laughs> well, spare time. I work. I run a business. I don't have yeah. spare time. My phone starts going when I wake up, <laughs> and it finishes when I go to sleep. Well, sometimes when I do sleep. So, yeah? which... Which makes me ask the question, where in the world, what do you write the books between midnight and 3 a.m. or what? Yeah, that's part of my work. It's, this is where I tell people, I don't, these days I try to avoid people as much as possible because I need to be getting on with my work, which is writing. I got a book, 
I've got one book now I've been trying to write for the past 12 months and I keep getting pestered by people. So it's difficult to actually sit down and just <laughs> think about it and write about it. If that makes sense. So, folks, if you're interested, uh, go to Amazon. He's got a whole page of books by Orlando Wilson. Check him out. <laughs> uh, you really cracked me up. Good for you. Good for you for yeah. uh, building a, a, a worthwhile business that really means something. Making a, well, it's a one of those I'm sure you understand. It takes time and it takes work. This is what I think a lot of people these days don't realize. If you want to do anything, you have to work. Nobody's going to give right. you anything. That's true. Absolutely true. And and today we're talking about photography. I you know, I uh, yeah. I was assuming you're an expert photographer. So let's talk about photography a little bit because that is the one thing you wrote an article about and I evidently this is something you have a passion <clears throat> a passion to do yeah. and train people about. I like you were talking about tactical training and it's funny because how many people come to me they want to do firearm training. And they want to get into the close protection business, the investigation business, and they want to be able to use a rifle. They want to be able to use a pistol, but they can't use a camera. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I tell people on a daily basis, a camera is way more useful to you than firearms are. Firearms are a last resort where just a camera is, has got multiple uses on a daily basis with not just within the investigations and security business, just in your everyday life. For sure. For sure. So to me, these days, it's one of the people class as a soft skill. It's an essential soft skill. And I've even come across people in the investigation business. They still can't take decent pictures. They still can't take decent video. They don't know how to send the video once they've taken it. And it's like, well, this is, this is entry-level stuff that everybody should know these days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, take us down the road, Andy, to Photography 101. Let's do that. Uh. Buy a smartphone and learn how to use it. That's 101. Okay. Take as many pictures as possible. Uh, learn how to edit them. Learn how to zoom. And learn how to use the messengers, both encrypted and unencrypted. Um, these days, I tell a story. When I Years ago, when I first got into the investigation business, I'd done a job in Chankatska in Russia, which is far eastern Russia. And we had to locate my first big job. We had to locate a fishing trawler that had been seized by its crew get pictures, and report back. That job took us about three weeks. I had contacts in Russia. We had to send somebody to the area. They had to mm-hmm. take the pictures. The pictures had to be developed. Uh, the pictures were then sent to Moscow, faxed to me, and the originals were FedEx to me. These days, okay. we can send somebody there, and we can get live streaming video in, well, as soon as, soon as we get somebody there. Right, Exactly. So these days, photography is so much easier compared to what it used to be. And if people ever done, ever use the, how can I put it, uh, an, uh, a manual SLR with the f-stops, with this, with that, with the different types of film. And I remember doing stuff in London, and you go out and take how many pictures, and none are any good. After you spent right. how much for them to be developed. And these days, you can go and take as many pictures as you want, take as much video as you want. And just work with it, just edit it out. Yeah, so things are a lot simpler these days. And the reason for that article, I think, is telling people is that it is very, very easy to become a half-decent photographer these days. There's no excuses. Uh, let me just say where this article is. This is from uh, PI Magazine. This is one of our, uh, our great sponsor for this show, uh, 
PI Magazine with Jim Nanos and Nicole uh, Cusinelli. And he has an article in here called Photography for Investigators and Close Protection Details. Uh, so it's a great article, Andy. So um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm interested that you say buy a smartphone because I, I've been using that for years and people would come in what I do. Uh, they would come mm-hmm. with these camera, all these cameras and you know, extended lenses and all this kind of stuff. And I have a smartphone. I thought, well, maybe I'm not doing something right. So I guess I am. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's like a lot of people want all the high-end expensive equipment. And even going back in the day, I learned early on when video cameras were the, were the size of like three, like a concrete block. Once you're mm-hmm. lending stuff to people, they're going to break it, they're going to abuse it, etc. And I've heard right. people here say you, you've always got to buy the, the best equipment you can. I tell people buy what works because, you know what, I drop my phone, I drop my cameras, they get kicked around, they get wet, they get damaged. So just buy something that you can afford and you can afford to lose rather than buying the high-end equipment. The other issue is with a lot of the, especially these days with the SLRs and the powerful lenses, you can't use those in public. If you're walking That's around a true. shopping mall trying to take pictures of somebody, but you've got a large camera on it, everybody's, everybody's wondering what the hell you're up to, where with your cell phone, how many people take selfies? How many people go to the malls and take videos? True. And even from a travel point of view, if you're crossing borders into places where people aren't too friendly, if you're turning up with a lot of photography equipment, what are you up to? You're a spy? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these days with most... Cell phones, I think most phones have got something like a 10-time a magnification zoom. The pictures are workable. The video is workable to get enough detail. So what else do you need? Very, very good. Sense. Very good advice. So do you have, uh, there's lots of smartphones out there. Do you have a preference or? No, whatever I've got. If I'm traveling, I tend to buy something on the other end. Okay. Um, it was funny because I was in Iraq a couple of years ago now, and we do, we are starting up doing stuff there again, the hostile environment courses, and cell phones there are a lot cheaper than they are in the US, and you've got a lot better selection. So you can buy for $150 a completely unlocked, say, Samsung J7, which mm-hmm. is going to be ample for what you need. The camera is okay, you can, you can send the pictures, no problems, you can put all the apps on it, and that's $150. You leave the country, you can dump it, no problems. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, um, I have been amazed, and I, I'm sure you agree with me, that no matter where you go in the world these days, you have cell phone service. Yeah. And yeah. many times it's better than we have in the United States, actually. <laughs> you know, I give, I give people grief here because it's like how many times <laughs> I was in Nigeria how many years ago in the middle of nowhere in the bush, and my cell phone yeah. would start ringing. There's yeah. places in Miami I can't get coverage. I've had the same experience, and it's just astonishing because down the street, I'm in, I'm in California. The Silicon yeah. Valley is 40 miles away from me, and there are dead spots here you can get no cell service. It is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And yet, you're right, because I, I did, had the same experience. Out in the bush, there's nothing around, literally. No, mm-hmm. no com- communities for miles, and your cell phone rings. Yeah. So these days, it's not really, it's not really much of, as we say about photography and sending, sending pictures and videos, there's not really many excuses most places in the world because most places in the world, people have smartphones. Yeah. 
yeah. and you can find some type of internet access. For yeah? sure. So Absolutely. The world's got smaller uh, and things have got a lot easier. All right, Andy, we're going to take a really quick break, uh, commercial break here. We'll be right back with or- Orlando, Andy Wilson, and he's going to talk more about photography. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm here with Orlando Wilson. He goes by Andy. He's a private investigator working out of Florida. He's also an author. And uh, we're talking about, actually, about photography. Not about any of those things, but about photography. Um, Andy, what's the most uh, frequent question you get about photography? Um, I think what you asked is now about what we talked about, about what's the best camera. And... Mm. I think I said it's like people will go out and spend a lot of money on cameras that they don't really need. Um, as I said, you can work with a basic cell phone and get very good, uh, very good footage, which is good enough for most investigation jobs. Um, for sure. So most people want to buy. I know somebody just spent a thousand dollars on a camera that uh, you can go and spend two hundred dollars on a refurbished cell phone that will do a better job and it's, it's a lot more useful. That's that's a really good tip. What kinds of um, advice do you give people about taking photographs? 
practice. Okay. Practice, see, and again, these days it's free to take pictures, so just go out and practice. And the best way to learn how to take pictures is to actually take pictures. They're, I know people, they've done courses, they've read books, they've done this, they can, they're useless photographers, and the reason being, they don't practice enough. Hmm. And all I tell people, just go around and take pictures. One thing for surveillance is, okay, go out and take pictures of people. But the issue is you don't want to get arrested doing that or you don't want to be done for stalking. <laughs> so be very careful as you're doing it. But it's very easy. Just go out on the street and practice taking pictures in the environments you think you're going to be working. Yeah. Okay. So say you need to uh, document some evidence. What, mm-hmm. what do you have advice for that? What type of evidence? Well, say it's a say it's a crime scene, and you are uh, you're working on a case, and uh, the district attorney has evidence, and you're going into the evidence room, and you're taking photographs mm-hmm. of the evidence they're presenting to you. Okay, just make sure you record everything. It's uh, yeah, you take your stills. I would also take the video and make sure everything is is written down, etc. I tell people when they're taking video, talk over the video, explain to people what you're taking the video of. In that situation, the date, the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, what you're looking at. And I tell people if you're on the street, if you're doing advanced security, if you're doing surveillance, not only are you taking the video, but you're also talking over the video to explain what the hell's going on, which directions you're looking, what you're actually taking pictures of, who you're actually taking pictures of, et cetera. Okay. That's, um, that's really interesting because I, I, I think a lot of people do silent videos. Without yeah, it, that explanation. It's one thing people say, well, we don't if the video gets seen by somebody that shouldn't see it, but that's down to keeping all your stuff confidential. But again, I've had people send me video, and even if it's for surveillance, okay, what are we looking at? What's, which direction are we looking at it from? It mm-hmm. makes me laugh. One thing I've messed with people on my courses is how many people don't know which way is north. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're sending, you're showing me video of something. I don't know which direction you're looking at it from. If I have to go or go out and take another look at this place, okay, what am I looking at? From which direction am I looking at it? Where are all these, where are the surveillance positions? Where are the cameras, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing you can <laughs> put enough emphasis on is attention to detail. Little things count. Well, you know, that's such a good point, and it's so basic, but it's something I've never thought of before. Uh, I, I don't typically take videos, but uh, I wouldn't have thought about identifying the direction uh, north, east, south, or west. I wouldn't have thought that, about that. So that's a that's big. great point. we done something years ago in Mexico with one of the police teams down there we trained, and it was a kidnap and ransom exercise. And this thing ran, he was pushing these guys, I think it was about 28 hours by the time it finished. And the scenario was they had to do a ransom drop-off. And come the end of the exercise, they think they've done brilliant, and it was a complete mess. Because they dropped the ransom. They didn't know which way is north, east, south, west. So they dropped the ransom on the north end when it showed the north side of this graveyard instead of doing it on the west side. Okay. I said to these guys then, something as simple as that. Once you're told to drop off on the west under the tree, and there was only one tree there... They dropped it off on the north end. From a criminal's point of view, if they're coming in to pick up this ransom and they can't find it, you could have cost somebody their lives by not For knowing sure. which way is north, east, south, west, which is simple. Well, it's funny when and you it, say it, Andy. Mm-hmm. It's so basic <laughs> that I have to laugh because uh, I'll, I'll bet it doesn't happen very often. 
I bet I just bet that uh, a lot of people don't identify the direction. Sure, sure, sure. The, the little things, right? Exactly. That's uh, very interesting. So, so if you're taking a picture of an object itself, yeah. So what 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 do you focus in on? How do you do that? Well, the main thing with taking pictures of objects is putting something actually in the picture that you can scale the picture to. Like be it a, a car key, be it something which everybody knows the actual scale, the, the actual mm-hmm. size of. Because people have, I've seen pictures before and they're showing me an object and it could be two inches long, it could be two feet long. That's a really good point. Because you're not always so going to have a measuring tape. Yeah. So keys, that's well, a great idea. If you don't have a measuring tape, then what do you have that everybody knows? Like I say, keys, pens, mm-hmm. whatever else you've got in your pocket, even a coin. Right. But again, a lot of the evidence stuff, the detail stuff is, yeah, get as much detail as possible. Make sure your, fo- your things are in focus and make sure people know the scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a g- another good tip. Now, what about um, when you're talking, taking pictures of people or groups of people where you're trying to identify somebody in the group? I'd say get, these days I tell people to get video rather than still pictures. Because the thing is with video, um, you can always stop it and you can take the still off the video. And mm-hmm. the issue a lot of people have taking stills pictures these days is they get very blurred because they're moving, the people are moving, etc. You don't have that. You don't have that problem so much when you're taking stills from video. So okay. I'm a big fan these days of using video a lot more than people going out and taking stills pictures. And you can sense. go out, if, if you're going out and doing, you stay in a group of people, if we're, I'm outside of a Starbucks now, if I wanted to see everybody in here, take pictures of them, if I went around and individually took pictures, it's going to take me a long time where I can go, just go in, pretend I'm talking on my phone, do a 360 sweep around, and I videoed everybody in the room. I can go back later, go on my computer, and just edit out the video of who I want, who's, who's with who. And from a security point of view, I'm always looking who's in the background. We might be looking at a person. Does that person have security with them? Is that person under surveillance? Who else is watching them, et cetera, et cetera. So this is where with video, you can get a lot more detail these days in a lot quicker time than you can with stills. That's a good tip. And you can also uh, blow them up so you can look at them closer. Like, like for instance, you you mentioned uh, in your article about tattoos and scars, things Mm -hmm. like that. So if you have a video, you could really expand that and really get a close-up view of what's going on with that person. Yeah, sure. Tattoos, scars, one thing where people, if you're looking for people, they're not going to change their expensive jewelry. Even if they're Mm. trying to change their, they change their clothes, they change their shirt, they mess their hair up. People can change scars and tattoos. Chances are they're not going to take off their expensive watch. They're not going to take off whatever type of necklace. Um, another good thing to look at if you're trying to ID people is their shoes because most uh-huh. people wear different shoes. Right. So you can just watch and follow somebody off their shoes. Well, yeah. I've got a video out of Mexico, a kidnapping video, where you can't see the people that kidnapped this kid and they're beating the kid up, but the kidnappers were caught. They turned out to be Mexico City cops because of the shoes that they were wearing. Interesting. You can always so tell government shoes, can't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. 
what other kinds of uh, things do you look for when you're trying to identify people in a group? I mean, you said jewelry, tattoos, uh, scars, clothing, shoes. Scars, anything that makes them stand out, anything they won't change. And as again, it's what's the reason we're trying to identify somebody. The issue is with a lot of people, um, I've been given pictures of people that we're going to do surveillance on in the past, and they're completely different. They look completely different in real life. Mm-hmm. We had something recently where some girl went missing, and the selfie, the, her Facebook pictures were one thing, but when we got the real pictures, she was a lot, lot heavier. So I if see. we were trying to find her just off her um, Facebook profile pictures, we wouldn't have found her because she looked completely different. So this so, is something for people if, if, and again, this is something for people if they have family members missing, etc. It's like make sure the pictures you're putting out there are accurate of what the person actually looks like and not their their Facebook picture that's been mm-hmm. modified to make them look completely different. All right. So a current photograph is really important. Current and accurate photographs. Yeah. Current and accurate. Yeah. Well, that's there you go. Current and accurate. That's really good. And and you don't want just a, uh, their face, a portrait. You want, the whole, you want their whole person. Yeah, yeah. You want to know their... Like I say, a lot of the selfies online, people are pretty skinny, but in reality, they're pretty heavy. So you need to know the whole body structure, <laughs> right? Right. It's those dating it's no, sites, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If people... Is, is like, if somebody's got a problem and you're looking for them, or you want somebody to actually find somebody then you have to have an accurate picture of what, what they look like. It's no, okay, we're looking for somebody that we think tall and slim where really they're short and fat. Yeah? Right, exactly. So what about surveillance? Tell me, tell me what kinds of things that you do that maybe are different than other people on surveillance photography. I generally tell people surveillance is, put it non-politely, it's a pain in the ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think the issue is with a lot of clients, they expect it to be like the movies, but in reality, it's extremely difficult. Um, the main thing, if you want me to follow somebody and watch somebody, I'm trying to tap into their routine and find out where they're going to be and see if I could put people at an actual location where I know they're going to be. Because following people on the street is extremely difficult. Um, if people are unaware, you might get away with it for a while. One of the issues in high traffic areas, like now I'm in downtown Miami, trying to follow somebody in a car down here would be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to pin people down to certain places. Once we've got them pinned down to a certain place, say where I am now, I'm outside of a Starbucks. I'm, I'm surveillance aware, so I'm looking around at what's going on around me. I see one guy talking on his phone across from me, but nobody knew I was going to be here anyway, so nobody could have me under surveillance. Mm-hmm. But this is where if we're watching people, say at somewhere like this Starbucks, we're looking for places where we can get them in place where they're not going to draw any attention. And again, stills videos, uh, stills pictures, sure, take enough stills pictures, not only of the person, not only of the place we're trying to get pictures of, but also of the whole area. And as I said, I'm more in favor of video these days because we can get a lot more from the video. Interesting. If that makes sense. Very interesting. Yeah, it does. How often do you use drones, Andy? Do I use what? Sorry? Drones? No, we've never used drones, to be honest with you. Everybody's pestering. And the issue is with us and drones, 
um, I mean, in South Florida at the moment is legalities of using them. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody here said they've used drones on watching somebody in a condo, etc. Well, coming from UK, where the privacy laws are extremely strict when compared to US, it's like right. my main thing is, okay, what are the legalities of actually using the drones? If I was in, people are using them a lot more for security these days, but as far as using them for surveillance, yeah, I'd, be, I'd, I'd tell people you've got to make sure that you're up to speed on the laws. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the laws are different because across the country and across the world, yeah, actually. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, yes, I'm all for using drones. I think that as far as security is concerned and surveillance, that's going to be the thing of the future. But I think the laws are still very, very gray on what you can and cannot do. And you don't want to be... And I, this is one story with surveillance. I know how many people have ended up following the wrong people, taking pictures of the wrong people. You don't want to have a drone outside the wrong person's apartment taking pictures of them doing things with their husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, and it turns mm-hmm. out to be the wrong person. And even if it's the right person, okay, what privacy laws have been violated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so one I, thing where... I know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Go I know ahead, the sorry. UK is, is very strict, your European Union is very strict on this. Some parts of the United States are very strict. What about other countries? Are there uh, drone laws in, in other countries besides the European Union? I'm not sure. There might be, but the main rule is, is uh, don't get caught, right? Yeah, right. True. But again, in a lot of places, it's like, yes, are they being used? I'm sure they are. Um, I've got journalist friends in Somalia. They've got some excellent drones. Hmm. So the, these days, it's like cell phones. You you can be able to you can find drones in most places. So if they can be used, sure. But also from a security point of view, a counter surveillance point of view, you need to be aware of them being used against you. So I think drones are a way ahead. But I think in the U.S. and I think here the, it, there there'll be some cases where they're used most probably by paparazzi against somebody, against a celebrity. And that will bring it to into everybody's attention, and there'll most probably be laws come crashing down on what you can and can do as far as drones and surveillance. Okay, all right. So, Andy, when you say you're you're uh, assigned to go view and take photographs of uh, some kind of a facility where you you want to determine what kind of security they have, yes. What what's the process that you go through to set that up? Well, the first thing with any type of resident, well, any type of facility compound residence is we look at the maps. And it's not just looking at the actual facility, it's looking what's in the area. Most okay. people, and I've got how many stories about this, um, they're calling a security company to do an assessment in the house. The security company's looking at the doors and windows. They're not thinking about the gardens. They're not thinking about the exterior, etc. And I think there was something that's come into the news this morning or yesterday about the Israelis planting uh, empty catchers around the White House to listen into mm-hmm. what President Trump was doing, etc. Well, if I can get close to a location, I'm going to put devices in and around that location to try and pick things up from a distance. So this is where a lot of people think they're secure in their house, but if your driveway is not secure, if your garden's not secure, if the streets around your house is not secure then you're wide open, which is what will wait for you to leave the house to target you, if that makes sense. So what makes a garden or a driveway secure? You have to check it. You have to search it. 
One of the things I'm hot on, and I tell people to be aware of from a defensive point of view, are the basic trail cameras, which you can buy at Walmart. People use them for hunting, to mm-hmm. watch game, game trails, etc. And you could buy a simple $50, $100 trail cam, put it up in, uh, in somebody's garden, in the bushes, and just put it in place. Every time that person comes in and out, you're going to have pictures or video. So okay. where back in the day, when I first started doing stuff in the military, we were actually sat in bushes for days. These days, <laughs> right. you can just put a camera in place and come back a couple of days later, pick it up, and you've got all the, you've got all the evidence. Okay. Yeah. So is there, is there a particular kind of camera that you would recommend for that? No. Uh, officially, no. Unofficially, uh, something that's not traceable because if it's found, it can be traced back, back to you. So okay. this is, again, we're talking about, and again, I'm hot on legalities, especially in the U.S. and U.K. Um, if you're putting cameras into people's gardens, what's legalities if you're caught doing that? Most right. places, it's illegal. Yeah. So if you're doing it in a third world country where nobody particularly cares, make sure the camera's not traceable back, back to you. But everywhere right. else, make sure you understand the laws because you don't want to be doing anything illegal. Okay. All right. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So <clears throat> documents are really difficult to mm-hmm. get a good image on. How do you, what do you do with those? Good lighting. Just making okay. sure it's clear. And again, even with a lot of uh, cell phones these days, you can copy those documents straight into PDF. So um, not only getting the, a decent image of it, but also get it over into copy into PDF straight away. So make sure it's readable and it's sendable. Okay. So do you, um, so I, I periodically take a, a photograph of a document with my smartphone. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard to take an image without getting a shadow. Like I say, it's lighting to make sure you've got good lighting. Yeah. And make sure it's readable. Somebody sent me some stuff yesterday that's really readable. But again, when you zoom in, it's not. So this is where once you take the picture, actually look at the picture before you send it. If you've got a limited amount of time to take the picture, as I said, try and get multiple pictures and hopefully one will be okay. Yeah. As I was going to say, sometimes you're, doing, you're taking them on the fly. You don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. to, to set it up and get right, the right kind of lighting. But again, video is also handy there because if you slowly scroll over the picture... Um, video is generally easier to read. And again, the stills can oh, be taken good. from the video. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. That was, yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. Video, as I so, said, I'm big on video because, again, it makes life so much easier. But a lot of people still, I've had students go out on courses and they come back with a load of stills where it's like if they spend 10 seconds taking a video, it would save them taking how many minutes taking stills. So, yeah. do you limit the time on your video? Because, you know, you, after, when, once you go over a minute or a minute and a half, they're hard to actually forward. So, uh, what do you do with that? Well, it depends how you're forwarding it. Um, if you store it on your phone, uh, one of my phones has got a pretty large memory card in it. So, take it back download everything onto the computer, then use something like Dropbox, etc. Okay. Upload and let the other person download. 
But again, it depends on what your time frame is. If guys are out on the ground just sending stuff back, sure, I can keep up to I can keep the clients up to date, real time, what's going on. But for the more detailed stuff, bring it back. I'll download it, and then we can Dropbox it. Okay, and is that what you use most of the time? Is Dropbox? Yeah, for me, as I said, everybody says that I use some encrypted messengers, etc. But you know what? The security on stuff like Dropbox is ample. If you're doing stuff where you're worried about the security on Dropbox and people getting into it, then you're dealing with some serious stuff, if that makes sense, or you're dealing, okay. dealing with stuff which is illegal. Okay. All right. Uh, Andy, we need to take another really quick break. We'll be right back, folks, uh, with Andy and talking about photography. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest today is Orlando Wilson, or as he better likes to be called, Andy. Uh, hi, Andy. Welcome back to the show. So, um, we've been t- talking about photography and all kinds of things. What other pointers do you have uh, for folks to just uh, get the job done, get the job done quickly and well done? I would tell people stick to the basics. Um, If you're going somewhere, if you're doing a job, uh, be it surveillance or whatever, is just 
people, I think, go over the top on the the tactical side of things. They think they should be doing this, doing that, what they should be wearing. I, think, I tell people just act normal and pretend you're going somewhere on a vacation. Uh, pack what you need and relax. I had somebody go to Mexico a few years ago and do something for me. And to be honest with you, it was a complete mess because I think the guy was too paranoid about being watched, about him there taking pictures of somebody that was there on holiday. And to be honest with you, it was an, a fairly easy job, but he was just too paranoid about the fact he was there doing surveillance. And mm-hmm. I remember even when I started doing things how many years ago, uh, the people teaching me were saying, once you start doing surveillance, initially, you're going to think everybody's looking at you, everybody's watching you. When most people live in, a, live in their own world, they don't see what's going on around them. True. So I tell people, just relax. And as we said about the actual photography skills, take as many pictures as possible. Uh, don't be, don't portray a nervous body language, mm-hmm. which I think is a giveaway if somebody is on surveillance, is are they over-observant? Are they worried about what's going on around them? And again, they're very, very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. So if you lose the self-consciousness and you're relaxed in your environment, you can be there taking pictures all day because you're on a beach, you're having a drink, you're videoing what's going on around you, which this guy in Mexico was too afraid to do. Um, you're blending in with the people around you. So, yes, the ph- photography skills are important, but also are the body language you're putting out there and how you act when you're actually doing surveillance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, Andy, what do you do? Have you ever been busted? Yeah, I have a guy, quite, I have a few guys arrested in the UK, yeah, and we've had the cops called on us quite a few times. I, I'm My, sorry. One I, of the ones, a classic one was vehicle surveillance in UK, and I remember this one, I got the call from the police because I had two guys following somebody on, on bikes, and they ran a red light, so the cops were behind them, they got pulled over, and the guy doing stuff with me told the cops he's on surveillance, so immediately great. the cop is now suspicious of what's <laughs> going on, and... I'm getting the calls, but that's the business, right? And this is right. one thing I said about being aware of the legality. Um, it's to people see you acting suspicious, and I tell people to do this if they think they're being watched by PIs here, is call the cops on them. Let the police deal with them. Mm-hmm. What about having an, an individual under surveillance and they recognize that, they're, that you're watching them? And they talk to you Back about off. it. Back off. This is my guys and depends on, depends on the reason you've got them under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And this is a double-edged sword. Because maybe if they work out that you are watching them, depends on the results you want. Maybe you just want to make sure they know they're being watched. If it's maybe a corporate case, a, de- a debt collection, etc. Okay, we're watching you. We know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But again, some other cases, if the... The guys are blown, then back off and we'll start another day or try another way to get the information. Should you have a, some kind of a pretext ready to go and just in Always. case? Always. And Always. this is, again, this is another thing, even I said about the Mexican job, um, you've always got a pretext for going somewhere, whether you're shopping, whether you're doing this, whether you're doing whatever. And again, it's more to surveillance and just taking pictures if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I, I, it really boils down to confidence, doesn't it? That yeah, confidence that you're is. supposed to be there, that you're supposed to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's, a lot of it is confidence and it's just being comfortable in that environment and being comfortable with what you're doing. And as I said, if people, somebody can do all the courses in the world. If they're not comfortable in their environment, they're not going to mm-hmm. be able to do the job properly. And I remember one of my instructors in the military years ago, we were doing stuff in South Georgia, which is south of the Falklands. And he summed things up. If, if you want to be able to fight in an environment, you've got to be comfortable in that environment. If you're not comfortable, you can't fight. So you can generally tell if somebody's uncomfortable on the street, if, somebody's, if somebody's uncomfortable in a, in a coffee shop, etc. well, why are they uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. You have to not only be able to be reading other people's body language, but you want to be very aware of the body language that you're putting out there. Because from a private investigator point of view, a surveillance point of view, that's what can give you away and that's what can get the cops on you, asking you what you're up to. And that can compromise the job cost you money, etc. For sure. So is it, do you think that's the best advice you were ever given? Or is there something else that you think was more significant? I've been given some good advice over the years. I don't tend not to pay attention to it until I usually mess <laughs> up and think that I should have done what I was told. I don't like doing it as I'm told. But um, yeah, that's good advice because it, it, you have to be comfortable. And if you're uncomfortable in an environment, it's the same as I mentioned the guy we sent to Mexico he, was, he should have gone there and hung out at a load of nightclubs, done this and do the very trendy, very fashionable places. You know what? I'm too old for that. I don't have the patience for that. So we needed somebody younger that could actually blend in with the crowd and blend in with the people. Yeah. So, again, it's, as far as tasking people and sending pe- people places to do for things, they have to blend in with the environment and they have to be comfortable in that environment. If not, this, it's generally not going to work. And, and what do you tell them about what to wear? Are you, do you help them with that when they're going on one of these assignments? Or do you Yeah, I tell people, well, this is what you need to be wearing. You need to be wearing stuff to blend in. And I uh-huh. think the biggest giveaway with people these days is everybody wants to be tactical. Uh-huh. Everybody's yeah, wearing tactical clothing. Everybody wants to play soldiers where it's like just calm down and dress like everybody else. Do blend in. all of you... Do all of your operatives carry a, a handgun? No, definitely not. Not ever or I'm not, sometimes? Sometimes it's necessary, but I am not too keen on people carrying firearms unless they need them. And if they need them, then I strongly question, is the job safe to do? Because guns mm-hmm. can get you. I, I carry quite often. I train people with firearms, etc. But I tell people guns can get you out of trouble but they can also get you into a lot more trouble. And if, even if you said about the police being called, if the police, if the cops are called on you, you're doing something suspect, okay, you can identify yourself as an investigator in the U.S., etc. If you've got a firearm on you, all right, depends where you are. There can be issues if you've got the firearm on you. Outside of the U.S., if you're caught with places with illegal firearms, then you're going to have big, 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 big problems. So guns can get you out of trouble, but generally... I tell people for surveillance stuff, if you don't need it, 100%, then don't take it. Because mm-hmm. generally you can defuse it. I'm more for defusing situations, talking your way out of it, and just avoiding the problems to start with, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think, uh, I think guns cause more problems uh, in those situations. 
because you because people are going to react. Yeah, I, somebody was. I know somebody done something for me a while back, and it's for somebody else I knew that was doing an investigation, and they were providing security, and things nearly went bad uh, because the person that was doing the investigation got a little bit too hyper, and the person they were dealing with had a firearm on him, and. All right, the guy I knew that was providing security defused everything, but it's like things had gone extremely bad. If he'd done what a lot of people say of, okay, you pull a gun out, you do this, and it would have just gone absolutely ballistic. So this mm. is where I'm all for diffusing situations and all for avoiding problems. Yeah, yeah. I don't need problems. Yeah, if you can't talk yourself out of it, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get into the situation. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and Andy, this is how many guys I know that would just go out and they'll go out and cause problems. And they're generally the people that I stay as far away from as possible. Yeah, for sure. You know, Andy, we're out of time. It's been delightful talking to you. I could talk to you for another couple of hours. I'm definitely going to check out your books. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're trying to do a job at the same time. It's kind of difficult. Um, but I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time, okay? And I'm sorry about the quality of the, the call. Oh, it's been fine. It's been just fine. And for the recs for you folks, it's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 